0: and we've been in a series around soul care. It really comes out of Matthew 16, uh, a verse, a, a moment where Jesus says uh, about our soul, he says that we can gain the whole world. Uh, we, can, we can have success at work. We can, we can have so many degrees that we have the whole alphabet behind our name. Uh, that, our, that our kids can get into the best schools and be the best behaved and, and, and all, all these things, right? A fully funded 401K but we can lose our soul. Jesus speaks of the value of the soul. And we've been talking about how do we care for our soul in the complexity of our world. And today I wanna talk about a topic that probably uh, all of us to some degree have faced maybe at one point or the other. Now I read a study recently in Forbes magazine that 52% of Americans reported feeling burned out or emotionally or mentally exhausted. And the type of exhaustion, you ever had this exhaustion where the day off didn't cure it? Come on, you thought the beach vacation would handle it? It didn't. Uh, That that type of exhaustion in our souls, and how do we find rest for our souls? In fact, Jesus in Matthew 11 speaks to this. He cares about our souls being at rest. So we're gonna talk today about how do we find rest for our souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp unto our feet, and a light into our path. And Father, we just pray, Holy Spirit, uh, that you would speak to each one of us as we listen to your word today. And we just say we're ready to receive what you have for us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Matthew 11, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 11, we're gonna be uh, just a few verses. We're gonna actually read two translations. Don't normally do that, but I feel like it's fitting for today. Uh, Matthew 11, uh, verse 28, Jesus here. Uh, he is uh, all all red letter, all Jesus here. And Matthew 11, he is, uh, to give context, Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew to Christians in Syria, in fact, Hebrew Christians. And, and so Jesus is speaking to a culture where they had been a part of a, a religious system, uh, Judaism. And he says this in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, can we show the, the message translation team? Uh, the message translation is a paraphrase translation of scripture. I typically read from the NIV. Uh, the message is not one. I would, it's a great accompaniment to another translation that you have, but I love how Pastor Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, paraphrased the words of Jesus. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I'm calling today's message, rest for, for our souls. I almost titled it The Unforced Rhythms of Grace because I love that statement. And we're gonna talk today about how do we find rest for our souls from the words of Jesus. Here's the first one if you're taking notes, is we first have to respond to the invitation from Jesus. We have to respond to the invitation. He says, come to me. He says, all who are weary and burdened. That word burden means to be overextended, to be overloaded to be overcommitted, he's saying those who are burdened, and they were burdened by the expectations of the religious system they were in, unrealistic expectations, uh, to abide by over 600 laws in order to have right standing with God. Aren't you grateful that under the ways of Jesus, because he fulfilled the law, that we no longer have to fulfill over 600 laws to somehow have right standing with God? Can we get an amen? Because of Jesus, because of Jesus. So he says that they've been burdened by other people's expectations of their life. Have you ever felt somebody placing their own expectations upon you before? I was reminded of Exodus 18, because Moses, uh, important person in our faith, I love this, he's having a moment where he's, he's serving as a judge. I know we have some judges in the room actually. Uh, and he is serving people, as many of you serve people. But he is being overwhelmed, overloaded by the expectations of others, and I love this. His father-in-law Jethro comes to him, or Exodus 18, verse 17. Jethro says, what you're doing is not good. Come on, little side note. You need somebody in your life who can look at you and say, what you're doing is not good. Come on, somebody, who loves you enough. Say, slow down, player. That's a Jeremy translation. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. As I read that scripture, I thought of in Galatians 6, You know, because uh, this is not my notes, but I think it's important that as we go through life, it's so important that we have people in our life that are close enough to speak to us the truth in love, who can tell us that what we're doing is not wise who can also help bear the burdens. Galatians 6.2 actually says, when we bear each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. You need people in your life who can bear your burdens. Maybe some of you in this room that, maybe what you need to do in this next season is be humble enough to allow somebody else to bear some burdens you're carrying. For those of you who have more capacity right now, maybe you don't feel like you have as much heavy of a burden, Uh, the Bible tells us we're called to be burden lifters burden carriers. So, so Jethro was a burden lifter for Moses. He said, listen, you need to have a new way of doing this. You're wearing yourself out. You're tired. You're fatigued. You're weary. You're, as the Matthew 11, 28, one translation says, you're, you're heavy laden. You're heavy laden. And sometimes we can, like Moses, be burdened by other people's expectations of us. Has anybody else ever realized there are some people in life who have a plan for your life? Come on, somebody. They haven't told you, but you feel it, right? Expectations. You feel the pressure of their expectations for your life. I was reminded back when I was younger, my earliest kind of memory of peer pressure. Anybody ever faced peer pressure before? And uh, I was, uh, no one ever faced peer pressure. That's surprising, okay. Apparently, you were the ones who pressured. We're gonna pray for you right now. So I grew up in the day of the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Come on, somebody. All right, see, first service had too many LeBron fans. They they were like, no, he's not. I I, I, I had to correct them, people. I said, listen, LeBron did break the scoring record, but MJ's the GOAT. Not biblical, my opinion, though. Uh, So Jordan... Sneakers, it just kind of started to really get popular. He was like, I think by this time he was maybe like on his second ring. Um, and, and I remember these uh, students that I went to school with, I started to feel some peer pressure to get a pair of Jordans because everyone's getting Jordans. So I went to my mom and I was like, mom, I need some, I need some Jordans. Uh, be careful too when you are facing pressure from somebody else that you don't transmit your pressure to somebody else. If we're not careful, we're not aware of the pressure we're facing from a colleague at work, we don't realize we're putting that pressure on our kids at home or on our spouse because we, we look for relief. Like, I need to relieve this pressure somehow. So I got myself some Jordans. Come on, little North Carolina blue Jordans. They were nice. They were hot. But, but, but pressure, right? And, and maybe you grew up in a home where maybe you felt some pressure. A common place that people feel unrealistic expectations, according to the research, is home. That maybe you felt like your parents had certain expectations of you that you couldn't measure up to. Or maybe it was a teacher, or maybe a coach, maybe even a boss that you have right now. that You feel like, there, and there can be sometimes even expectations are unspoken, right? Like, have you ever like worked in an environment before, maybe, there was like an unspoken expectation that you would come to this work event after work hours even though it wasn't part of your job, but you felt this kind of pressure, like, oh, am I I'm supposed to go to that? I didn't know that, right? Or you didn't show up to that event, everyone's like, oh, where were you last night? <laughs> pressure. Or, or maybe again, you, had a, you had, had, a, had, a, had a parent where you just felt like there was a certain pressure to perform or maybe it was a spouse or a friend or, Maybe societal expectations. But how many know, sometimes there can be unrealistic expectations placed upon us in culture? For men, for women, for you know, certain expectations on where we should be in life, and our house should be in a certain type of order. Or financially, we should be in a certain place. We should be at a certain place in our career. And as I was thinking about pressure yesterday, forgive me, but I have three children, nine that are nine years old and, and younger, so most of my movie references are Disney or DreamWorks films, come on, somebody. So I don't really know what's out there besides that. The last time I went to the movie theater, it was for a Disney movie. So in our household, we are Encanto fans. Have you seen Encanto? Uh, Wow, that's that's some big fans. So there's a sister in Encanto, Louisa. She's the second oldest sister. She's 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 got a song about pressure, doesn't she? Some of you know this. Now, you're about to realize why I'm not on the worship team right now kind of goes like this. Pressure, like a grip, 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 and it won't let go. Pressure like a tick, 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 till it's ready to blow. Whoa, uh, uh, oh. Give it to your sister, your sister's stronger. See if she can hang on a little longer. Who am I if I can't carry it all? If I falter. Come on, you didn't know your pastor had bars. Come on, somebody. She know. But the whole song is about the pressure she feels from her family to carry a weight that's unrealistic. She talks about how the pressure is causing her to break. Here's the research shows us that when we feel pressure, there's a breaking that happens in our soul. In fact, the American Psychological Association in 2022 did a longitudinal study, 32 years, 20,000 college students. And they found that, watch this, parental expectations and criticism, at least the students' perceived uh, perception of their parents' expectations of them have steadily increased over 32 years, leading to expectation of perfectionism. perfectionism. Dr. Thomas Curran from the London School of Economics said perfectionism contributes to many psychological conditions, including depression, anxiety, self-harm, and eating disorders. Dr. Andrew Hill from York St. John University added, the pressure to conform to perfect ideals has never been greater, catch this, and could be the basis of an impending public health issue. Pressure like a drip, 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 and it won't let go. How many know the pressure is real? And and here's what, here's what Christ is saying because they're feeling a pressure from the religious system they're in. And maybe before some of you, and I want to help free you up, maybe you have felt religious pressure before. Like when you went to church, you couldn't be yourself. Like when somebody said, Hey, how are you doing? Too blessed to be stressed. Can I tell you, it is okay for you to be broken. Here, here's how we like to say here at Catalyst Church: It is okay to not be okay. Can I get an amen? I, I, I'm a firm believer that the church of Jesus Christ should be the safest place for you to not be okay, for you to feel broken, for you. In fact, Jesus even, the, the, the Bible says this, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. God knew you wouldn't be able to measure up to expectations, and he loves you anyway. Can we get an amen? But sometimes the pressure is not external, it's internal. Sometimes the most unrealistic expectation you are facing is from yourself. In fact, Psalm twenty-seven two says this, in vain, or in vanity, you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, or to earn another degree, or to make more money, or to have more success for he grants sleep, referring to God, to those he loves. And again, there's nothing wrong with hard work. In fact, it honors God. There's nothing wrong with wanting to to earn money. But what happens is when we allow those things to become the main things, they become destructive things because our souls were never meant to bear the weight of unrealistic expectations. And maybe some of you, that's what you face, that your harshest critic is yourself. That you feel like, I'm I'm never a good enough parent. I'm never a good enough employee. And even when people tell you that you're doing a great job, you really deep down inside don't believe it. Because the unrealistic expectations, the pressure that you're under is coming from the inside. The Bible tells us the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And you know what I have seen in my own years on a personal level? in friendships, and in a pastoral level, is one of the ways the enemy brings destruction is through pressure, pressure to perform. And we live in a performance-based culture, much like the culture they lived in then. Now the good news is this, is in that culture, with these pressure and expectations, Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. That word come is a, is a gentle beckoning. He's, 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 he's essentially saying, listen, I wanna show you a new way of living, a new way of operating, because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Hannah Whitehall Smith said this, that no soul can really be at rest until it has given up all dependence on everything else and has been forced to depend on the Lord alone. So we have, to, we have to respond to the invitation of Jesus and say, God, I recognize that there are some external or internal expectations that I have put on. Because here's what Christ was saying. They were under the yoke of a religious system that was creating unrealistic burdens. And, and at times, we can find ourselves under the yoke of our parents' expectations or our workplace expectations or cultural expectations or sometimes our harshest critic, our own expectations. And Jesus is saying this, I want you to unyoke yourself from those expectations that are crushing you and take upon my yoke, which will give you rest. So then the second point we're gonna see from the words of Jesus is we have to learn the rhythms of Jesus, the, the unforced rhythms of grace that he talks about. He says take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You know what's intriguing is Jesus says you will find rest, a yoke, if you don't know, a yoke was something put onto oxen. A yoke was a tool of labor, like if I would have said these words or wrote this scripture, I would have said, come away with me to the beaches of Bermuda and you will find rest. Yes, Lord, (laughs) send me. Come on a 15 day cruise without your children, come on parents, and you will find rest for your souls. But what does he say? I want you to take upon a tool of labor, a yoke, this is important, and I want you to note this. The rest that Jesus has for us does not, he's not saying I want you to cease from activity because the rest, here's what he knows, the rest that you need cannot come from time off. The rest that you need comes from a new way of living, a new way of doing, so you unyoke yourself from the unrealistic expectations of culture. You unyoke yourself from your own internal pressure. You unyoke yourself from what you're facing at work or in your family and take upon my yoke. Yoke was symbolic for leadership because if you were yoked to someone or something, like they kind of lead you because if they turn left, you turn left. They turn right, you turn right. And yoke was also, what it implied, these words of Jesus was lordship. Here's what I have found personally in our Western culture, even in the church, that in our current 2023 culture, we love the idea of Jesus as savior. Yes, Jesus, you rescued my soul. You paid the penalty of my sin. But we have a harder time with Jesus as Lord. But can I tell you this? He is both Lord and Savior. And when he's Lord, here's what that means. It means, God, your way is better than my way. Your way is greater than my way. Write this down, write this down, if you're a follower of Jesus. So even if I do not agree with your way, I still follow your way because you are Lord and I am not. That's what it means. But here's the good news though, here's the good news. Listen, God wants to be the Lord of your life not to place burdens upon you but to relieve the burdens off you. That's why he told his disciples, don't don't be like the Gentiles who lord their authority over people and place burdens upon people. He rebuked the religious leaders who placed heavy burdens on people he came to relieve our burdens, not to place burdens. But we have to say, Lord, you are, you are Lord of my life. In Matthew 4, 10, these are the words of Jesus. Satan had just tempted him of saying, Jesus, I can give you glory, I can give you success. He says, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord, your God, and serve only him. You know, when I go on a road trip in my car, if anybody else is like this, I, I put an address into the GPS. And then anybody else, you'd be confident and bold enough to admit this. When you allow the GPS to direct your, the directions of where you're going, you allow your mind to take a break for a little bit. Come on, somebody. Anybody else? I'm like, I don't care where I'm going because I trust this GPS. Come on, like, like ways. I know ways. They know of traffic patterns I don't know about. They know of roadblocks I don't know about. And thank you, Jesus. Ways lets me know about Montgomery County cops hiding out in the bushes I don't know about. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Keeping my bill my Montgomery County police bills down. They let me know, even this morning, that there's a red light camera ahead. Thank you, Ways. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Not that I would have run it. Maybe. So he says, so, so, so when, I, when, I'm, when I'm, you know, the GPS is, is giving leadership while I'm driving. Uh, I know it's a, it's a lighter and, and funny illustration, but he, here's what Jesus is saying, is that I wanna be the primary navigator of your life. That if you follow my ways, here's what this means in the context of expectations, okay, and write this down, is that we surrender our expectations. We surrender whatever expectations have been placed upon us to the expectations that God has for our life. If we're not careful in our Western culture, I love our Western culture that we have, you know, we're told to dream big and make big plans, but here's what I think we can be susceptible to. I'll just speak for myself, I can and I think probably a lot of us, we have to guard against this, is we can end up asking God to bless our plans instead of asking God for his plan. And we say, God, I wanna, I wanna take this master's program, can you bless it, can you help? God, I wanna take this job that's gonna, and, and here, here's just, just, just my understanding of God's character and the scripture. Perhaps sometimes the reason God does not bless our plans because he knows if he did, it would cause stress in your soul. And here's what we do is we say, God, I have plans. Nothing wrong being a planner, I have plans. But we surrender them to God and say, God, you, you, you are Lord. That means what I wanna do, if you say no, that I trust you above myself. May I remind us all, he is the creator and we are the created beings. I didn't mean to humble you on a Sunday morning, but there you go, come on somebody. I know you're brilliant, I know you got so many degrees, but you are still a created being, and he is the creator. And he actually wants better for you than you want yourself. If you believe it, say amen. If you've never heard that before about God, it is the truth, that he has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. And he sees the end from the beginning. He, he knows all. He is, knows all things. He is everywhere at all times. He is one who we can trust. In Matthew six, Jesus said this, don't worry, verse 31, about these things, saying what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I'll say it this way for our context. What Jesus is saying is this, is don't be worried about your parental expectations. Don't worry about your own definition of success. Don't worry about cultural expectations that are placed upon you. But seek first the kingdom of God. and He will give you everything your soul needs if you seek him first. Watchman Nee said this, our rest lies in looking to the Lord, not to ourselves. Verse 29, Jesus says, learn from me, learn from me. It reminds me, it really beckons to Jeremiah 6.16 in the Old Testament where Jeremiah said, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads, look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for yourselves. What was happening was Israel was being persuaded by other ideologies and philosophies and he was reminding them to to come back to the ancient past, the word of God, the eternal, never-changing, infallible, authoritative words of God. He said, come back, to it's there you'll find rest. And we can be persuaded to follow the ways of success, the way of comfort, the way of cultural expectations and norms, but may I encourage you this morning that we are called as well to look for the ancient paths, the Word of God. So where do we start in learning the ways of Christ? Is we start with the Word of God. I was reminded this morning, or this week rather, when I was in, I grew up in Sunday school. If anybody else, you grew up a church kid. I grew up a church kid. and I remember there was a, there was a, there was a song we used to sing in Sunday school, some of you know this song. You can sing it with me. Come on, it's the B-I-B-L-E, come on. I stand alone in the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Some of you are too embarrassed to join me. It's okay. It's okay. I see you. Try to be all cool, tough, you know. But, but what, and can I tell you this? It's, it's a song i song sung as a child, but listen, that if, if you are a follower of Jesus, that we are, be, are called to be a people who love the word of God, that we live by the word of God, there is no other word that has the words of life. No other words that can set you free. No other words. So we're to be a people of the word. Let me get a little practical for you. But I think where you start is, you start with you reading the word. If you're a follower of Christ, is you read the word every day. Every day. In the same way you eat every day, is you, you, you eat spiritually every single day. Day. The Uversion Bible app has tons of reading plans you can follow. If you don't know where to go, here's what I recommend, the Bible in One Year reading plan. It takes about 15 minutes a day. It's about, you know, probably half or a quarter of the length of your favorite Netflix show. Come on, somebody. The first service, I said, it's, it's about the quarter length of, the show Outer Banks on Netflix, but then I said, I don't know how I know that, because I don't watch TV. Um, Don't judge me, it's a bad, carnal, I don't watch TV. Is let the word of God be your compass? Let the the word of God read the word. Now if you're already doing that, you're like pastor, I've been doing that for years, Let, let me give you a next step, is become a student of the word. Study the word. There's reading and then there's studying, they are different things. So study it. Let me give you a couple resources. Is I think a great resource, if you're like, I wanna study the word more, I wanna understand it more, the context, is, is to get a Bible handbook. Here's what I recommend, it's really simple, it's not complicated, it's not burdensome. It's, it's called what, the, what Is the Bible All About? by Dr. Henrietta Smears. What is the Bible all about? If you're like, I wanna take it a little step further, it's a great, you can get it on Amazon, I don't, it's, not, it's pretty affordable. But it will give you context about each book. So let's say the book of Ephesians, it will tell you who the author is, who were they writing to, when was it written, where was it written, and what was the intent? Here's a key question to ask when it comes to exegesis or understanding the scripture, is what did the author originally intend? Like why did he write this? Uh, you know, that's why I mentioned at the beginning of the message, Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew to Christians in Syria who were under the burden of the religious system of Judaism. That was his intent, was to contrast the ways of Judaism with the ways of Jesus. That was his intent in, in writing the Gospel of Matthew. That was his, the Gospel of Luke, he was writing to a person. So he, there was different, a little bit different intent from the author. Uh, then, kind of a next is you can. There's a, commentaries are a great way to understand context of the scripture. A great starter commentary. You, you can go. You can go crazy on commentaries. There's commentaries that are like two thousand dollars. True story. This one's not that. <laughs> but Believer's Bible Commentary. Um, it, it's a great starter commentary. It will give you context of the scripture. It's a scholar who has spent his life studying the scriptures to give you some context that's easily digestible. Now, if you're like, Pastor, I'm already there. I, got, I, I, I read the Bible in Greek, come on somebody. <laughs> Greek and Hebrew. Here's for you, all right? It's like a Netflix of Bible classes I recommend. is ARMA Courses, A-R-M-A. It costs less than Netflix, and it'll do more for your soul than Netflix. ARMA courses, you can listen to classes on the book of Romans, uh, on the Pauline epistles, on the gospels, it's a great read. If you're like, I wanna go a little step further. Why do I share all that? Because Jesus says, learn from me. We start with the word. David wrote in Psalms 25, show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God, my savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. David says, God, show me your ways. And this is a prayer David has. Now there are some things, specific answers to your life that you may not find like directly written in the word of God. This is important to note, the Bible is for you, but the Bible was written to somebody else. As I said, Matthew wrote this to Christians in Syria. So, but it's for us, it's got application for us. So there are times, listen, that you're praying, God, should I date John or not? You can't open up to Exodus 11 and read, no, right? (laughs) Or you can't like open up to Colossians and you're like, God, should I take this promotion or not? And the Lord's like, yes, you should take the promotion. You follow me? Where, where where, Where it's not clear in scripture, Seek God through prayer. Now start with the word, but then seek him through prayer. Talked to a gentleman recently, he was offered a promotion at work, more money, more influence. Seems like a great thing, right? I think in our Western culture, we would say go for it. Why would you not? Because we have a culture that places career above everything else. It's one of the common idols I'd say in our culture is career, success. But he prayed about it, because he wanna make sure, because listen, sometimes, We can say yes to things before asking God for clarity. So he asked God, he said, God, I wanna be sure because the job was gonna require a lot more travel. And he came to me and said, I feel like the Lord is telling me it's a no because it would take me away from my family many evenings, even some weekends. So he, he wanted to hear clearly. So he stayed in his current position, less money, less influence, because he felt like the Lord said, this is not the will I have for you. So you seek God in his word. You seek God through prayer. And Then here's what this guy did, which I recommend for all of you, and I would say in my 12 years of pastoring, this last part, I have seen followers of Jesus, scripture and prayer they'll do, but this last one, because I think it actually, it sort of goes against the cultural norm, because we have an individualistic culture here in our Western culture and that is to seek out godly counsel. Here's what Proverbs 12, 15 says. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So here's what this guy did. He came to me for counsel. Hey, here's what I'm sensing. Can you help me to confirm the voice of God? And can I say this? This is why it's so important to not just attend church, but to be involved in the life of the church because you get to meet people who you can go to as godly counsel and say, I'm sensing this from the Lord. And listen, I've seen in 12 years of pastoral ministry, many Christians make poor decisions they later regret because they made it in isolation. Why well, I feel the Spirit leading me. Listen, the Spirit will confirm it through godly counsel in your life. I thank God for godly counsel in my life. They probably saved me from making bad decisions. But here's why godly counsel is hard. Because sometimes, can I be honest? We wanna do what we wanna do. Come on, somebody. Like, I wanna do that, God. I don't want someone to tell me that's not him. But can I tell you, it can very, may well save you, the pain of poor decisions. It's how we learn the ways of Jesus, through his word, through prayer, through counsel. You know, in a Greco-Roman culture, learning is very individualistic, which America is a Greco-Roman style of learning. But a Hebrew, biblical style, is communal. You know, one of the best things you can do for your own spiritual growth and discerning the voice of God and learning the ways of Jesus is joining a community group or a faith and life course. Here's why. Because the way that, that Jesus facilitated learning, the Hebrew style is communal. You're opening up the scriptures together. You're talking about the will of God together because God speaks through other people. To so learn the rhythms, learn the ways of Jesus. All right, here's point 3. Last point. Is then you have if we find rest, find rest in obedience to Jesus. Find rest in obedience to Jesus. He says take my for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It almost seems like a contradiction of terms, doesn't it? That word easy actually means good, gentle, kind, well-fitted. That's why the message translation, Eugene Peterson wrote that I will put nothing ill-fitting on you. Have you ever like bought some clothing or you put on clothing that fits you well and you felt more confident going into work the next day, you're like, okay about to be a good day, right? Come on, you look good, you feel good. And here's what what Jesus says. My ways, my unforced rhythms of grace fit you well. We were created to live according to the ways of Jesus. You were created to forgive other people, not hold on to bitterness. You were created to worship. What we've done today, you were created to do this. Your soul operates best when you live according to the ways of God. Remember, Jesus did not come to put burdens upon you. He came to relieve the burdens on you. Therefore, when we follow him as Lord of our life and we say, God, your ways are better than my ways, that even if I disagree with your ways, I'm going to submit to your ways because you created my soul. You knitted me in my mother's womb. You came to give me life and life more to the full. Therefore, when we submit to the ways of God, even when we disagree, even when they're difficult, our soul finds rest. Because this is how you were created. We were created to be generous, not withhold. We were created to be kind, not harsh. You were created to pray. This is how, Jesus is like, hey, This is the way I create. this is the way you were created so when you embrace my rhythms, my unforced rhythms of grace, this is actually the most natural thing for you to do for your soul. The ways of Jesus are well fitted to your life. That's why the psalmist writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in Green Meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. The NIV said he restores my soul. He guides me along the right path. Psalmist said that the shepherd, sheep follow their shepherd, he is our good shepherd. Church, when when you trust Jesus as your Lord, here's what that means. It means that following Jesus, that like Christianity is not one of the many things I do in life. So it's not like I'm a Christian, but I also associate with a certain political party and I'm a member at this gym and I do Orange Theory and I'm part of this PTA. It's not one of many things When you follow Jesus and surrender your life to Jesus, that is the main thing. Can I get an amen? That's above all other things. That means Jesus, you are Lord of my work life, of my family life, of my financial life, of my leisure life, you're Lord of my relational life, you are Lord of my dating life, you are Lord of all. So the church and this, it's not like, oh, on Sundays I go to church. No, no. With all of my being, I follow Jesus. I embrace his yoke in every part of my life. Can I tell you, if your Christian walk is a Sunday-only expression or in every other Sunday-only expression, you will not find rest for your soul. I say it with love and gentleness and compassion. But when you say, God, you are Lord of it all. Then that's where you find rest for your souls following Christ. This is why the author of Hebrews says this verse 11, let us therefore make every effort. One translation says, work hard, one translation says, strive to enter. That rest. What rest? This rest. Matthew 11 rest. So no one will perish. Hear the words of this. He said, It's so important you enter this type of rest, putting on the yoke of Jesus, following the ways of Jesus, because if not, I don't want your soul to perish by following their example of disobedience. And Jesus came to give us rest, church. I close with this quote by Augustine a church father. He said, God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts, our souls are restless till they find rest in you. Church, we, we, we can find rest for our souls, but it only comes not through another day off, not through extended vacation, not through a new season, By trusting in Jesus and following the ways of Jesus with our life. Can you bow your heads with me, church?